15 verses, chapter 6 of Acts. So we'll read the whole chapter. Now in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch. And they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. Then the word of God spread. And the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. Then there arose some, some that is called the, called the synagogue of the freemen, Cyrenians, Alexandrians, and those from Cilicia and Asia, disputing with Stephen. And they were not able to resist the wisdom of, uh, and the spirit by which he spoke. Then they secretly induced men to say, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they stirred up the people, the elders and the scribes, and they came upon him, seized him, and brought him to the council. They also set up false witnesses who said, This man does not cease to speak blasphemous words against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs with which Moses delivered to us. And all who sat in the council looking steadfastly at him saw his face as the face of of an angel. The Lord will bless the reading of his word to us this evening. So <clears throat> at this point in the book of Acts, we see that Satan has been trying to attack the church. We know that Satan hates the church. He hates God. He hates the church. He hates the people of God. And he's, he's trying his best to shut this thing down. So he tried in many ways, with intimidation and opposition and persecution from without. And we saw in chapter 5 that he changed his tactic a little bit and tried to attack the church from within. When there was sin found in the church, there was lies and there was pride in Ananias and Sapphira. And that thing was shut down fairly quickly. Peter dealt with that really quick and... uh, the efforts of the devil to this point is not very effective, whether from without 
or from within. And so we see here again in chapter 6, it starts with another attack from within. The Christians, which are called the Hellenists, and the Hebrews has a conflict. And uh, it, it's, it's kind of a, there's kind of a danger of division and of problems within the church. But again, we see that the devil's uh, tactic proved ineffective because the, the apostles dealt with it really quickly. And it, it, uh, it, that's when they, they appointed some what we call deacons, even though the word deacon uh, is not uh, mentioned there as such. Uh, it is mentioned uh, like kind of in the background, like because the, the word distribution in verse 1 and the, ver- and, the, and the word ministry in verse 4, which is the two different works, the works of the apostles and the works of these men uh, or, or the distribution at the tables is both the same word in the, in the original uh, some some tra- uh, translation translates it de- deaconry, so it's with the word deacon in it, which really means to serve, service, servant, serving, and that's the idea, and that's why we call these men that were chose by the the apostles or by the people actually. Uh, with the apostles behind it, and the apostles were agreed with the choice of the people, and they laid hands on these men and prayed with them, and, uh, and then the work kept going. So uh, we'll find out that deacon work is very, very important in the church. It's a very, very important work. It's not a title uh, to be a deacon. It is a work. And really, it could be translated servants instead of deacon, because that's exactly what it means. So I'm not going to say any more than that. Uh, we, can, we can open it up to discussion, uh, starting in verse 1, and uh, see what, what uh, we can learn here from these, these things in this short chapter. Uh, maybe we'll be able to go through it in one meaning. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. But by the way, what time is it supposed to shut down? Is it 10-2 or 22, I mean? Or 25-2? About 7.40. 22, okay. So in those days, when the number of the disciples were multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the distribution. So who are these Hellenists? So they were they were Jews from from a Greek background and with a Greek culture and a very probably a very minority amongst the group that were mostly Judeish, Judeish Jews, which had a, a Jewish culture. So there is a conflict there, and, and the, the, the widows from the Hellenists were kind of forgotten in the distribution. I don't believe it was something that was uh, 
deliberate. It was probably just by accident. It's some kind of device of the devil to try to bring a wedge in between the Christians and bring division. But uh, it was, it was, uh, it was uh, looked after by the apostles very quickly. So is there anything else we can learn about these people? Yes. It says, let the deacons be. And it goes on repeating almost the same qualifications that they have for elders. Yes. It is a very important role not to be taken away. That's right. Yeah, the most important quality of deacon work, let's say when you're dealing with practical stuff, we might think it's, for example, management skills or uh, good with money, but it's actually what's said here is spiritual qualities. And so any ministry, that's where it starts. Yeah. Actually, it probably would be good, uh, good to read those qualifications, First Timothy. Like they're very, like brother, my brother Jack already said, they're very similar to the elders' qualification. They're almost the same. Uh, verse 8. Likewise, deacons must be reverent, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy for money, holding the ministry of the faith with a pure conscience. But let these also first be tested, then let them serve as deacons, being found blameless. Likewise, their wives must be reverent, not slanderers, temperate, faithful in all things. Let deacons be the husband of one wife, ruling their children and their own house well. For those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves a good standing and great boldness in the faith which is in, in Christ Jesus. So the standard is very high. Very high. And probably, if you look at every single qualifications as a whole, there's not too many of us that would feel free to be involved in that work because we would probably think that we're failing a bit, or maybe a lot, in a few things. But the ideal is something to, to, to be uh, sought for. We have to try to get to this ideal of all, all these qualifications. For sure, some of the qualifications uh, are a must, uh, but it's impossible for a man to be perfect in every way. You know that. But if you're going to be involved in deacon work in the church, you have to have a testimony behind you. 
And also it does mention that you have to test them first. So it shouldn't be a, a, a new believer that's just starting. He has to be, he has to, to prove himself and, and prove that, that, uh, that he has the life behind. He's walking the talk, in other words. So the elders are recognizing the local assembly in a public way, as we do here. Are, and this is a question I don't know the answer. Are the deacons, from a biblical perspective, to be publicly recognized? We know we have three elders here. There's many servants here. Is there a difference there? I'll let the elders answer that question. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't. I don't well, in this passage here, they they definitely. It was the elders who recognized the the problem that was brought before them. They, I see it as they acted upon it whenever they were aware of it. And their solution to it was to go to the <coughs> brethren and ask them to pick out people that had these qualifications. And it's interesting, the qualifications that are given, that they're, first of all, of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, it, I, when I was reading this, I was just thinking in my mind, um, it's not worded this way by accident. I think these were the criteria that was needful for this, for this service. And then, then we read on that, the, that, that then the elders prayed for these men and commended them to the work. So it was a very public act, the whole thing. I guess the, the idea of servants, because that's really what it is. It is actually the word attendant. It's the, the Greek word diakonia, where we have the anglicized word deacon yes. from. So in that sense, it's just a very broad term. Like we have made that mean deacon, and therefore that's obviously mentioned in First Timothy 3. But the word is found all through the New Testament. So, for example, if you have somebody... Uh, you know, let's say, leading the kids' club. That is deacon work. You know, it, it's... Or somebody that has been assigned a certain task, that is your responsibility. That also is deacon work. And all those requirements, like these requirements mentioned in First Timothy 3, they're spiritual requirements. It's not uh, that you have to have certain qualities that's only, you know... That depending on your gift, for some of those considerations might be there as well. But those are spiritual qualities, um, which has really to do with spiritual character. Mm -hmm. And so, for example, in Romans 16, it says, verse 1, I commend to you Phoebe, our sister, who is a servant, and there again it's the same word, diaconia, of the church in Cancria. So that also applies to women. Okay, so, uh, and then it said that you may receive her in the Lord and so on. Um, so, there again, a person who is a recognized servant in a particular uh, task or whatever it may be in the church. So, yeah, I think there should be a recognition of, of uh, you know, of certain services, like deacon. Um, I remember when I was growing up in the Dutch Reformed Church, all the elders sat in 
on Sunday morning in one side, and all the deacons sat on the other side. You know, maybe some of you will remember that. I don't think that's the idea, because really, in some ways, there should be way more deacons in the church than there should be elders, probably, I, I, I think. So it's a very broad term in the New Testament. The church cannot survive without many, many deacons. Like it comes like cleaning the toilets, right up to ministering the word, uh, going by like youth youth leaders, youth uh, coordinators, Sunday school coordinator, the person in charge of finance. All these different things is deacon work. Uh, I think that the, the, the problem maybe in the world is that they use this word deacon as a title, but. If you change the word and, and use our English word, which is servant, well, servant is not really a title. It's a work. And that's the idea of, of deacon work is a service. We are serving the church. We are serving, uh, and sometimes serving the elders, sometimes serving the children, sometimes serving different things, but it's, it's, it's serving. Like the Lord Jesus was a deacon. The Lord Jesus came to serve and not to to be served, and we're called to serve, but if we're going to be serving in the church, there is qualifications, and like uh, our brother Jerry mentioned about about what's mentioned here, that they were of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, later on it said that they were full of faith as well, so like you said, it is a spiritual, a spiritual work, uh, but it's a very important work, the church cannot survive with just the elders. We need, we need all these people to be involved. And the more people that are involved in, in the serving, or in the deacon work, the more people involved, the stronger the church is going to be. Because we're not just going to be sitting here and, 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 and warming a puke, we're going to be involved, and we're going to be doing something uh, for, for the Lord in different capacity, in different and there's many, especially like an assembly like here, there's many different ministries that we can be involved in. And we encourage people to be involved in okay. these things. Can I just provide like maybe a little bit of pushback? Or uh, I guess a question. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Um, <laughs> I just, uh, with the term deacon, like I do agree that we all should be serving. We all should be, like have that servant's heart. We all should be serving in the church and have that mentality. But it does seem like a little more official, like they um, they prayed and laid their hands on these men before they went to take over this responsibility. Um, and then you have the list of, of, of attributes in, in First Timothy that we read. Like, um, and, and even like with the term elder, like that can mean an, an older person, but it's also like we, we do recognize that as a title. Same with um, this idea of servant. I think it can also be maybe a title. Like we're not going to tell somebody like, "I'm sorry, you can't clean the church because you, you know, you you had more than one wife." We, we, we probably wouldn't say that, but yet it's it's in the criteria of, of a deacon, um, the same as it's in the criteria of an elder. I'm just, I, I guess, I don't know how to phrase that as a question, but just more of like a few comments on, um, yeah, that maybe it could be a role. Another point there. I don't know what, uh, what the others think. Well, I, I mean, there is obviously a recognition there in First Timothy 3 
otherwise it wouldn't be said there. But it is a broader term in the scriptures. And so, like when it comes to the requirements for overseer, there is an, a sense there of leadership, which is not in the case of deacons. It's not in the same way, at least. Um, but some services in the assembly are very, very important. All, all, everything is important, of course. And so, for example, handling the money, or let's say being the trustees, like those trustees of the, the building and the funds and so on, that is definitely a recognized service. And in that sense, it's deacon work. So, um, yeah, I, 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 and I think we, we are practicing that here. So, you know, there's different people. Not everybody is doing Sunday school. Not everybody is doing being a trustee. There is different jobs for different people. And that's to be recognized. And those, and the requirements for somebody uh, to be given that responsibility of that service is those spiritual qualifications given in First Timothy 3. And I, I don't think it's that complicated. But no. And the elders here, like the, the, the apostles for sure, associated themselves with these men. Like they prayed for, with them and they laid their hands on them as an association and, and a recognition or, or recognizing them in a very specific work, in a very specific job that they gave them at that point, which was serving the tables. That didn't last very long for some of them. Stephen was not in that role very long. Like the, the, in, the internal attack soon became an, ex an, an external attack with a big persecution. Uh, but uh, the same thing with Philip. Like when the big persecution came, Philip, like there was a big, a big uh, spread of, of the Christians all around, and Philip went in Samaria and preached the gospel. And later on, chapter 21, they call him Philip the Evangelist. So he started here, and he moved to something else. And uh, and even in the case of Stephen, like he was he was there, but at the same time, he he was a minister of the word, obviously. Like we're going to see, we're going to see later. We can play. We can play this on, back to what Scotty said. We can. I, I. That's why I asked that question because specifically here it seems like a a designation kind of like these are the men. And they're going to do this. But in reality, I think back to Leonard's point. It's not so much about the title. Like there's certain like there's trustees here. There's certain people that were given. A responsibility over the finance, there's certain over the club, there's certain people over the young people. Those are kind of broader, bigger picture kind of responsibilities that, that others are less. So I think there is a recognition there, Scotty, but maybe not specifically your deacon. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's not all about the title. No. And I guess I just. Mo I think most of the roles in the assembly, I think, are chosen by the elders, like the like. I think, I mean, I could be wrong, but like, it, it should be, it should be the fellowship of the elders. Yeah, yeah but I, I just don't like, I think, I think the business meeting just sort of chooses trustees, and, and maybe that's okay, maybe that, I just, it's just something I've always, I've often wondered about, like, is that really, does it, does it matter, or should we be following more the biblical approach, like, is it elders choosing deacons, or, 
Or am I just... Well, actually, here, it's not the elders that chose the deacons. It's the people. The elders agreed with the choice of the people and put their hands of approval in that. Uh, and, and just to note, all these guys were also Greek. Like, they, were, they all had Greek names. So, the minority... Uh, like that's something maybe that we could discuss is why is the seven men with Greek names and that was just a little minority that were the Hellenists in, in, the, in the early church so maybe somebody would have something to say about that uh, also uh, what it says about Philip like the fact that he was one of the seven it actually says that in chapter 21, yeah. where he is living in Caesarea, and they entered the house of Philip the Evangelist, who was one of the seven. So we know for sure he was one of those, and not some other kind of Philip. Um, and so by this point, he had moved somewhere else. And he was also an evangelist. I mean, he's used in um, chapter 8, right? That is Philip, the same man, and um, and so that ministry might only have been for a little while, and then you see with that that perhaps this ministry was carried on by others, and that's often the nature of uh, ministry as well. It should be. Uh, you don't necessarily have to stay in the same ministry till you you know right. till we expire. Mm -hmm. um, so all these, these things are important. Now I do think when it comes to a choosing of ministries, I don't think that elders necessarily have to to pick all those deacons. Because let's say if you're let's say you have a um, uh, a group of you know let's say within the young people group let's say, and after some years somebody you know wants to pass it on that perhaps somebody's name within that youth group could be uh, suggested, brought forward, and then of course in fellowship with the elders, um, just like it's happening here, and then I'm going to give a lesson on that. So it's not that, that in an assembly all the initiative has to come from the elders. I've been in assemblies where elders, and I might as well say it, they wanted to have, a they wanted to decide every single detail. That's not leadership. That's control freaks. Mm -hmm. That's not. That's not in the Bible. No, it's true. Maybe just one quick practical note. Just in verse one, they had a problem because their church was multiplying, right? And there was people that were just falling through the cracks. If we look around at our 11 o'clock family Bible hour, you know, there's a lot of people who I don't even know the name of, and I'm sure we can all say that. We just need to, you know, maybe step up to the plate a little bit and do this work of the servant and, you know, make ourselves known and make, make people welcome. You know, it's easy for us to talk to the same people every week, but there's just so many people that are coming that, you know, are clearly from other places. And so they don't have the same you know, family ties or whatever, and are looking for 
you know, looking for a place to worship. And we're very thankful we're here. And, uh, just maybe an encouragement mostly to myself that maybe we should tell them that they're very welcome here. And usually it's the minority that's going to fall through the tracks. Mm -hmm. Right. What I, what I was thinking about the fact that all the seven are Greek, are Greek with Greek names is that it's nice to see the spirit of the, of the church at this point is that they made sure that they were going to elect, that get these, these fellows, that they would have a real heart for these Hellenist people. So they were all Hellenists. They were all from Greek background. So it's a nice, to me, it's a, it's a nice spirit that they want to make sure that these widows are going to be looked after instead of doing the, the, the opposite of, hey, the, the Hebrews are, are a lot more and uh, we should be looking after the Hebrews more because there's more of them. There was only a few of the, of the Hellenists in, 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 uh, in comparison as far as numbers. So I find that it's a nice, and probably that's one reason why the, the, the problem was fixed really quick, is that they looked after those widows very quickly. Just, uh, just to comment on, on uh, you know, making people feel welcome, I have noticed in our assembly here that sometimes when, for example, we have some, some new Nigerian mothers have just come to the chapel in the last few weeks, and I notice that, that sometimes they're sitting on their own and no one's talking to them. Now, being from Africa myself, I, I don't have a problem going and talking to African people because I'm used to it. Sometimes people may feel, oh, I'm not sure how to talk to them because I'm not from their culture. I understand that. But we have to sometimes get out of our comfort zone a bit and step out and say hi at least and see how they're doing, what they're here for. We need, we need to take that extra step and make them feel welcome, as it was said. I think, too, in terms of this problem that was in the church, uh, it's a lesson for us how to bring resolution to conflicts. And I think here we see that the elders certainly, they, they, um, they understood the problem. They, they were listening and they understood the problem clearly. It wasn't something that they didn't understand about. And then they, they chose, um, or they recognized that there were different works. So they had their work, but there were other things that needed to be done, and they recognized that. And, and sought to, to solve the problem by, by getting the people to bring up forward names for people who do that work. And then, of course, there had to be qualifications, like it's already been mentioned, the idea of um, uh, they had to be, have a good reputation, in other words, they were reputable people, and they had to follow the spirit, spirit control, they weren't living lives that were uncontrolled, but the spirit was controlling them, and they they had to be full of wisdom, and that's more practical. They, they use the knowledge they have in the right way. And those are the ones that were chosen and brought forward to the elders. And so I think that's one way that conflicts can be can be sorted out with those kind of practical steps. Mm -hmm. I, I was just thinking about what you said about the, the ones that became the seven were Hellenists most likely themselves because of their names. And they were the ones that were complaining about it. Now, I find, I see a lesson in that. So, for example, if I feel, for example, you know, we should do more whatever, you know. Well, maybe the Lord is calling me to do it instead of complaining about it and somebody else do it. Because mm -hmm. that often happens. And so you can get in the, 
in the mode of thinking that you're always complaining about what's not happening, not realizing the fact that you are burdened by it might be God's call to you to, to do it, or to initiate it, or to, uh, to, to spearhead it, or whatever it might be. And I think that's the, the attitude we should have in the church when it comes to needs, because the Lord wants to use each one of us, rather than just complain about what's not happening or not happening enough. Sometimes we're and also having those same kind of people in that one group instead of three Jews and three Hellenistic Jews, they 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 weren't quarreling with one another this way because they 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 were all of the same kind of background. And then Nicholas, he was actually proselyte; he was not even a Jew. Nicholas. So this way. They weren't really, well, I'm a Jew and you're not a Jew, so when they were starting to quarrel, but this way they weren't quarreling, they were getting along with one another. And it's not, it's not uh, just the Hellenists that chose these people, it's the whole group that talked about it, and, and obviously they, they were all, uh, they all agreed that we should, uh, we should get these people to look after their own people, to make sure that, that the, 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 the widows were, were going to be looked after. But like the letter was said, sometimes I know I could be like that, is that we, we offer a lot of criticism and we never offer any solutions. So sometimes if we don't have any solutions at all, it's better to keep your criticism to yourself. Because it's good, it's good if you're going to criticize that if you're going to criticize in a constructive way, then you have maybe a start of a solution in mind and, and, and help that way and like Leonard said, to even offer to be part of the solution. Well, time is almost up and I don't think we'll be able to finish. <laughs> even a practical we have a sense of the time frame between the beginning of the church and what's happening here for these people to be recognized as having certain abilities, certain gifts, certain <coughs> or men of faith and men filled with the Holy Ghost. They would have to have been known for a period of time. Do we have any sense of what? Uh, not really. I know. It's it's hard to to get that from Acts, but I would say it to be at least a number of months, at least, I would think, but... It wouldn't be years. It wouldn't be years. They already had the 3,000 per burden and the 5,000 per burden, and they were adding more all along, so it's already a big group of believers. And the nice thing here, like at the end of verse 7, it says that there were there was great many of the priests who were obedient to the faith. Not only that the, the word was spreading, and there was many other disciples added, but there was many of the priests that were added to the faith. So God, and the devil is trying to destroy the assembly from within, and God turns it around, and now he's getting some of them, them guys to come in, like the priests, who were the people that were trying to destroy the, the church. I think, too, that the 
the, the believers at that time, as you saw earlier in Acts, in previous chapters, the only ones that would join the church were those that were real. Ones that didn't believe, they, they didn't want to join the church because they think, what's going to happen? Look what happened to Ananias and Sapphira. So it's those who were only truly spiritual, truly believing in Christ, would be there and serving and, and wanting to be of help. And so I think it might have been easier to see the, the qualifications in these people than, than what might be today. Yeah. It is generally under belief among Bible commentators that the Apostle Paul got saved about three years after the Pentecost. But there again, it's, it's a guess. But I would say by the wording, for example, when it says in verse 1, in those days when the number of the disciples is multiplying. Well, it takes some time for that to happen, right? It wouldn't happen in a couple of weeks. But it would certainly happen in maybe months and maybe a few years. I don't know. All right, so get, uh, we'll have to try to, well, I'm sure we'll finish it next week and maybe we'll have to have somebody else to, to start chapter 7 next week. <laughs> Very good. Uh, I'll read through a couple of letters and some prayer requests. Um, first, from a man named Luke Bauer. I, I, I'm guessing that this comes from uh, through our ministry through News of Quebec or one of those ways in which we give. So this gentleman, uh, Luke, uh, just speaks of the work that they're doing in uh, their assembly. He says, uh, for our assembly, the Groupe Biblique de la Rivière Sud, we began the year by embarking on a new evangelism project that I believe can bear much fruit. We decided to join forces with Group Jaspe Ministry led by Claude Tremblay to do door-to-door evangelism through suicide prevention. In fact, we know that Quebec, and especially after the last few years which have been quite dark, is one of the places where the suicide rate is particularly high. So we decided to visit every home in the city of Longueuil to bring the gospel to them. Since April, we've been going out regularly to meet lost souls. And they speak of their family growing. They've uh, got some uh, twins that were born. Uh, so the family of three. And he mentions that the beginning of 2023, I also had the joy of finally obtaining my permanent residency from Canada after years of administrative procedures. This is a great source of joy and gratitude. The Lord's blessed us this year. So that's uh, from a gentleman named Luke Bauer. A letter from Jim and Elizabeth Paul. Uh, they thank us for uh, a generous gift received through MSC. Uh, they appreciate love and prayers and so, uh, recall many precious memories of pastimes of fellowship together. Uh, we both have had our health issues lately, but things are keeping quite stable at the moment. The advancing years sure bring their challenges, but through the outward man, though the outward man is perishing, the inward is being renewed day by day. Uh, we trust this new year we have entered, you will experience God's grace, love, and peace in your hearts. May he work in your midst in a special way. Jim and Elizabeth Paul. Um, there's a card here, similar themes, uh, from uh, Gary and Claudette Weeks. And he says, warm greetings to all you dear folks serving 
Uh, sending our best wishes to for health and stamina, happiness too for 2024, to serve the Lord wholeheartedly for his honor and glory. So we await Jesus' second appearing, I'm sorry, as we await Jesus' second appearing, we press on in spite of our aging bodies, assorted and declining or deteriorating body parts, eyes that need surgery, teeth that need root canals, this January 9th for me, uh, Gary needing hearing aids, all kind of expected, I understand, once the 70s arrive. So with many thanks for your gift of 150, the Lord is providing us with needed funds and encouragement that he will take care of us and he will use your kindness and generosity. Many, many thanks indeed. And that's from Gary and Claudette Weeks. Uh, lastly, an update here from Mike Atwood, um, thanking us for a gift through MSC, remembering uh, his trip and visit with us last fall. It was a real joy to be with you last year for the conference and seeing your assembly's name on the MSC statement brought back good memories. Um, and uh, just talks of some of his work that he's doing, uh, visits from family, and it says just upcoming uh, travels for Mike in North Carolina, South Florida, taking in Pittsburgh, North Carolina, Pembroke Pines, Frostproof, and Boca Raton, Florida. In case you were thinking he is a fair-weather preacher, February and March will include trips to northern Quebec and New Brunswick, Canada. Your prayers are deeply appreciated for freshness and power of the Holy Spirit and having the right messages for each group of saints and gospel messages, too. Um, he says, um, just talk about some Zoom studies that he's been doing. And uh, the Young Men's Weekly Zoom Bible Study continues in First John. This week, there were 10 young men participating. Pray for the Lord's hand of protection on these zealous choice youths in various assemblies, that they would go on to become pillars in the church, rightly dividing the word of truth. And also speaks of a YouTube ministry that is going on as well. So uh, Mike Atwood, very busy in the Lord's work and traveling and speaking and doing online things. Gary and Claudette Weeks and just their, their health as they get on in years. Same for Jim and Elizabeth Paul. And then Luke Bauer. Um, of course, we're going to continue to be in prayer for uh, Wayne, Brother Wayne, and uh, just that uh, trust that he has a had a nice visit with his son over the weekend. I believe he's back in the hospital now. Um, another.